amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, where Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus telling them, Therefore, brethren, you be careful how you walk. Don't walk as unwise men, he says, but as wise. And make the most of your time, because the days are evil. He says, so then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that, that is dissipation. But instead be filled with the Spirit, that Holy Spirit of God. And speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. That's a beautiful thing when those words that come out of our mouths are things like psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And, and we're always making melody in our heart to the Lord. Have you ever been around someone, they go around and they're just always singing those nice uplifting songs. We were made for songs. Songs uplift us. Whether you realize it or not, we're hardwired for music. The devil knows that, by the way. You know why? What was his job before he bailed out of heaven? He was a worship leader. He was created to lead worship, but he wanted, instead of bringing worship to the Creator, I will be like God. I will raise myself up. I, everyone worship me. And that's not good. But he knows that that music is made. In fact, some people, they struggle. They have hard times. They feel like the devil's kind of breathing on their neck sometimes at night. They get the spooks late at night, some kind of cold shivers. They feel like, there's some dark thing came in my room. I don't know what it is. I tell them, I can tell you what to do. Start singing praise songs. The devil hates it. It was his job to do, but he's not doing it. But if you do it, he'll dig out. The Bible says you resist the devil and the devil will flee. Okay. And one of the best ways I know to resist the devil is just to sing praise songs. And he's just like, oh, can't stand it. I'm out of here. Poof. And he'll dig out. And it, it does work because a lot of folks, especially I notice the ones who have been Christians for a while, the devil's like, I'm leaving them alone. It just doesn't, it's not worth it. But when you're just starting out, the devil likes to play with your mind. But as believers in the church, one of the best things we can do is speak things of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and make melody in our heart to the Lord as we're going around and I've used Ron Miller, our missionary friend in Thailand, as an example. He, we called him the walking jukebox for Jesus. I mean, this guy knew every... I don't even know if he knew the whole song, okay? But I know one thing. That guy knew probably every chorus of every hymn. And he'd come walking through the room, humming and singing a chorus as he's going, you know, Oh, Lord, I thank you. I really thank you. Clap, clap, clap. Oh, I just thank you all the days. And he passes through the room. And we would be having men's prayer or something, and he would pass by. And, and pretty soon, you know, you, you don't even realize what it does, though. But you know what happens when you got 50 men in a room, and Ron Miller passes through? After he goes through, the men are starting to hum. And then he comes back through going, going the other way, and he's singing, Clap your hands, all you people, shout it. And he's singing another song. And he goes, and he comes back to you and he's singing another. And this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. And he passed through. And then 
there's ten guys over there singing, This is the day. Our spirit responds really well to it. It lifts us up. We could be going, I'm having a bad time, Lord. Someone passes through singing, Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never... And that's all we hear. They walk out of the room. Never come to an end. They're walking away. You hear it fading away. To an end. And you're like... And they go away. What happens to my spirit, though? It's lifted. It's amazing how one line of one song can just go back through. That's, by the way, from Lamentations. Chapter 3, verse 23. But that one line, that steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. How good is that for me to be reminded? And that His mercy, it never comes to an end. And great is His faithfulness. Man, I could be having the worst day and someone just walks by just making melody, like the scripture says right here, in their heart, passing through the room and they pass on by. And God's spirit will use that psalm, that song to lift my spirit. And you don't even realize how much you can lift someone else's spirit just by making spiritual songs of... But in some churches, we're very formal. We don't do that. We only... You know, make melody when the choir director says it's time to make the melody. Well, okay, but he didn't say wait for the choir director here. Did you see anywhere it says when the choir director says, then you can speak to one another in Psalms? No, this is a letter to the church, right? Hey, guys, everybody in church, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, always making melody in your heart to the Lord. Because maybe... You might have a psalm that is just running through your mind. There's a psalm. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. Where does my help come from? Do you guys know this from the psalms? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And he who watches over you, he will never slumber or sleep. I've known that psalm for a long time. Beautiful psalm. But it's really something deeply spiritual for my, the message for my spirit because sometimes you're going through a hard time and you're thinking man i don't know if the lord's is he there and that someone just goes by and sings that little just a few bars of that psalm from the old testament and you and you remember the lord never slumbers he who watches over me never slumbers never sleep. he's always on the job and I, my spirit just needs that little, just one-liner. All I had to do was hear one bar of that song, and all of a sudden, my spirit is lifted up. Well, I hate to say it, but we all need to become Christian jukeboxes like Ron Miller. We need to just walk around singing praise songs. And, and some Christians are like, I can't do that. I'm a terrible singer. It doesn't say... In the Bible, I'm very glad there's a verse that says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Because... Some people will say, well, it also says to play skillfully. I said, in that psalm, that play skillfully psalm is written to the choir director, okay? Not to the congregation. That's to the guys up front. If you're going to be the guy leading, it's good to have some skill, skill at leading. Although God seems to have a great sense of humor because he made me lead worship when I had no skill. And he's like, you'll do anyway. I will grow you. And that's what he did. He grew me in playing more skillfully. But he never said, quit making a joyful noise. 
We always should make a joyful noise to the Lord. And when you make a joyful noise to the Lord and you're around your spouse and they hear you making a joyful noise, how does that make them feel? When they hear, that when they hear you going around just making joyful noise to the Lord, just praising the Lord. Lord, thank you for this day. Look what the very next verse says. Always giving thanks for everything, all things in the name of the Lord. We can be even angry and Lord, I thank you that I to, uh, that jerk. Thank you for that jerk. Yeah, I gotta thank you for the jerk? I don't know, that guy's a, he's a jerk. The Lord's like, yep, thank me for him anyway. He's working on it. The Bible says iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Sometimes the Lord knocks off some of our rough edges using some other rough chunks of iron. He puts some people in your lives that are just there to grind on you a little. The Bible even tells us when you encounter various trials, it says that you should give thanks because not because of the trial, but because you know that the trial is working something in you. Perseverance and perseverance brings proven character and proven character in the book of Romans goes on to say brings hope and hope does not disappoint. Hope is there to help you continue to press on. We need that, that hope. And we, we don't get that hope until we've had to persevere and be put through some trials. It happens. It's a more mature person's attitude who says, I give thanks even though I'm in this trial. Because I know as a young Christian, I never gave thanks for a trial. I just, darn, another trial. I don't want a trial. And I didn't understand that trial was to refine me, was to make me better. And as I grew and learned, the Lord was working on me. How you behave in your trials, whether you realize or not, are people watching us when we, when we, oh boy, do they watch us. They, they're like a hawk. I saw how you handled that. And if you should happen to have a good day and you handled it well, well, how did you stay cool when that thing was going wrong? How did you keep your cool? And like, it was, a, it was God's grace that day. The Lord helped me on that one. By the way, that is the proof to the people who don't know the Lord that there is a God. It's not any fancy Bible quoting of verses. The scripture is very clear. When Paul wrote to the church at Rome, in chapter 12, he wrote these words. He said, if you want to prove what God's will is, that thing that is good and acceptable and perfect, that, that wonderful will of God, what is God's will anyway? Peter wrote it in Second Peter. He said, is God's will that none should perish. So you want to prove to someone that God doesn't want people to perish? Let me show you what Paul says you should do. Romans 12, 1 says this. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you might prove what the will of God is, that which is good, that which is acceptable, that which is perfect. You want to prove God's will that he doesn't want anyone to perish? You don't get to quote verses to prove it. Nobody's going to buy it. In fact, I, I remember hearing a saying that your life may be the only Bible someone may read. They may never pick up the good book, but they're going to see how you live. And the way that you live, if you allow God to transform you, change you from the person you were before you followed him into that person that walks in the light, in his light. When you walk like that in his light, he 
does this transformation in us. And the transformation to the world is the proof that there's a God. They go, is he the pastor? There has to be a God. Those of you, you, you only know me for years serving the Lord here. But the ones who knew me in high school, they see me on Facebook and they're like, there has to be a God. The Izzy is a pastor. They're, they're, God must be really real to take that guy who was like that and make him into this. When we let God transform us, change us from within, they can't refute it. There's like, what can they argue? You can argue also. By the way, let me assure you, the devil is good at arguing verses and misquoting them. And he'll even misquote them to Jesus himself. Remember when he had a little conversation with the Lord and brought him up after Jesus had fasted all that time, 40 days for him? He becomes hungry. What's the devil do? Hey, if you're really the son of God, why don't you tell these stones turn into... Oh, come on, can't God's son make a stone turn into bread? Now, what's the answer to that? Can God's son make us a, a loaf of pumpernickel or rye or whatever he wanted he could have just snapped his finger and that rock would have turned right into a loaf of bread but was that what god wanted him to do with his power why did jesus come to take care of himself no take care of us and he said man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of god but the devil didn't go oh shucks that didn't work let's just quit you guys know the story, right? He takes him right... Let's do another temptation. And another... Takes him way up on that high pinnacle. If you're the Son of God, right? Why don't you step off and, and let the angels bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. You know what really kills me about this one? It's a fallen angel saying, isn't it the angel's job to look after you? Well, what? Do you think he was going to be the first one to volunteer to catch Jesus? He would have been one of the ones that should have been, don't worry, Lord, I'll catch you. But instead, he's trying to say, jump off, I'm not going to catch you. Because he's in rebellion to God. But will he quote scripture? Sure. And he'll argue scripture with you all day. Like Daniel and I were talking one night, he said, the devil's been at this a long time. He's got a lot more practice. He knows what bait works to, to trap men. He's not even creative with it because he doesn't have to be. Or a little lust, a little power, a little fame, or whatever whatever it is that a man is attracted to, and he'll dangle it as a snare in front of him. And the only way to beat him at his game is to walk as a new creature in Christ. Let God transform us so we don't fall for those little quacky temptations that he throws our way. But he will continue to throw them. And we need to become really students of God's word for the, I think for this every time the devil tempted Jesus did you guys notice that Jesus always came back the devil would say is it not written questioning what God's word has to say and, and Jesus would come back and it is also written see this is where there's a real safety net in learning God's word when the devil tries to trip you up with some kind of he's twisting it a little and saying doesn't it say that we're all children of the king and we all should be happy and healthy and wealthy and wise. Well, doesn't it also say to rejoice, my children, because in this world you shall have 
John chapter 14, tribulation. I mean, let me tell you, I know that there's a lot of guys preaching a very watered-down gospel in our country today, where they're just saying, we are children of the king. I started this message off by pointing out that we are children of the king. We are truly his children, and we're to be imitators of him. But Jesus, when he came to this earth, he said, the birds of the air have nests, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Do you know that there was a preacher I heard on television saying Jesus was really rich. He had six different homes around the region of Israel, one up in the Galilee, one down by the Dead Sea. Yeah, and he, he says, and you're a child of the king and he wants you to be rich. And Jesus was a carpenter. He built a, And I said, this preacher is a false preacher. Look, the church at Ephesus, this church would be commended by Jesus in the book of Revelation because they saw that there were men that claimed to be prophets and they tested them. These ones that claimed to be, I'm sent of God, I've got a word for you. And they tested them and they found out that they were false. They said, you're false. Do we have false teachers today? Yeah. And they're teaching people things that, by the way, the problem with teaching you a doctrine that is it's all about you getting gratification. When Jesus said, if you want to follow me, he didn't say you're going to get gratification. He said, want to come follow me? Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and come follow me. How much does that float with the whole self-gratification? You deserve a yacht and a Mercedes and a... Look, I deserve hell. Let's get real. I mean, if you ask me... Truly, in the sight of God, for my sin, I deserve damnation. But by God's grace, I've gained everlasting life because of what Jesus did. Not because I'm so great, because he's so great. And I always want to make sure we put the attention to him, because he's the one who's the savior of our souls. He's the one who we need to steer people toward. And the church, unfortunately, is getting watered down and falling asleep. And I have to like... I feel like I'm going, wake up. Don't go to sleep spiritually. Don't fall asleep spiritually. Wake up, wake up. Because it's happening. In America, the church is getting drowsy. They're getting into the dark a little. And it is not very fashionable. Pastor, do you have to talk about our sin? Couldn't you just talk about something else? A feel-good message, please. Something to raise our self-esteem and, and make us just feel wonderful and I said, listen, I don't know anything better to raise your self-esteem than the fact that God loved you so much he gave his only begotten son to die for you. You have self-esteem issues, you need to find out what Jesus did for you on the cross. That will raise your self-esteem. But telling you, look in the mirror, you're wonderful, you're beautiful, it's not going to do it. It won't. The Bible says the flesh, it's fleeting. It's failing. And... Remember what Moses wrote in Psalm 90? If we live 70 or 80 years due to strength, he says, the glory of this body, even with the greatest of strength, men try to be strong to the very end. He says, even if we do, at the end in, in verse 10, he says, of Psalm 90, he says, soon we become just a vapor and we fly away. Remember that song? I'll fly away, O glory. I'll fly. That's Psalm 90. That's Moses wrote that. And so Moses wrote the next 
two verses later, verse 12, he says, so Lord, since this is true, that we're all just going to, even if we live 70, 80, maybe 90 years, you're really super strong. Well, guess what? We're going to fly away. And since this is true, verse 12 of that same psalm, Moses said, So Lord, teach me to number my days. Now number in the Hebrew is like, teach me to make a counting of a fullness. Like live each day to the fullest extent that I would count that day as I lived it for you, Lord. Teach me how to make the most of the time. He said, I only have a little time. Is what he's saying. Even if I live a long life, according to man's understanding, if I live to my ripe old age, I still, it's not very long. Teach me to be wise with the days that I have. That I would present to you a heart full of wisdom. Can I say, Lord, if you take me now, I did what you wanted me to with what the days that you gave me. That's a really, really sobering thought. For That's a wake up out of sleep, spiritual sleep thought. Are you living for the Lord right now, the way that you're, you're living? Are you doing it so that if he called you home, you'd be like, good to see you, man, instead of, uh-oh, sorry, <laughs> I didn't accept. I was going to get right later. I'm sorry, Lord, I was just fooling around a little. I was, don't fool around with sin. Don't, do not, listen. The scripture is very clear. This is not what we're called to do. We're to walk soberly. So awake in the light, not in darkness. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the big island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.